0: Welcome to YG2K News. I'm Bo Tannison-Bennett. The WGA has now been striking for a third of 2023. Most news is still under the media blackout, a subject itself we will discuss in a minute. The most we can say on the Guild's front at the moment is that they have not reported talks breaking down. This means negotiations, while complicated as always, are continuing forward. SAG-AFTRA still has not been contacted by the studios for their own negotiations. Two weeks ago, the AMPTP broke their media blackout request to directly share negotiations with the public. This was done without the WGA's knowledge. The next day, members were sent an email, available on the website now, detailing their experience with AMPTP negotiations. One claim in the email is uh, that upon entering meetings, WGA leaders were lectured about not accepting their first offer and continuing to hold out for all demands. In response, they shared their grievances and left. This was an obvious attempt to get the Guild to cave to studio wants and sow discourse in the public. Writers came to social media to discuss the subpar offers and to the, all the loopholes that would give studios the same overreaching power they currently have. For more information, this email and others giving more detailed accounts are available on the Union website. The AMPTP has hired a crisis PR firm to help with their failing image. Writers uh, took to social media to criticize the move, instead of uh, using the money to pay the firm to just pay the writers. This PR group is led by Molly Levinson, a previously pro-labor professional. This has uh, led to an increase in negative attention that only confirms the AMPTP has lost the public court of opinion. Several puff pieces that have come out since this group was hired, attempting to make writers and actors look unreasonable, or like they agree with the AMPTP. These articles have garnered a great amount of pushback for attempting to get people to overlook obvious propaganda. The video game division of SAG-AFTRA has now authorized voice actors and mocap performers to join the strike against major game studios. They are seeking the same pay raises and protections from AI manipulation that other divisions are. Some talks have led to speculation that specific studios will break from the herd to sign interim agreements with the unions. This doesn't come as a surprise, considering the fall lineups that have been pushed back due to the strikes. In other strike news, members of the United Auto Workers voted to strike, with a 97% of members that voting YES! Hotel workers have also called for a convention boycott in California, as their strike continues and only grows stronger. Disney VFX workers have officially filed to unionize with the National Labor Relations Board. And finally, UPS Teamsters got their 35% pay raise, as well as other amenities set to their contracts. New polls are showing that 70% of citizens are supporting the new strike movement, which is not surprising considering what affects these industries is affecting all working people. Once again, for all guidelines, rules, or questions, please visit the WGA and SAG-AFTRA websites. These are the first and foremost places for accurate and up-to-date news. YG2K News, I'm Bo Tamison Bennett, signing off. Up next, a roundtable discussion of the 1999 adaptation of Sheridan Fanu's novel, Carmilla. Trigger warning for discussion of toxic and abusive relationships, sexual content, and fantasy violence. Welcome back to You Got To Know. I'm
1: Bo. I'm Rat. And I am the unknowable guest.
0: Oh, I think this is our first musical.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Besides like a musical episode of something? This is There like... were
2: musical episodes of quite a few things we've watched, I think, but there's this is definitely the first time we've actually watched just like a straight up musical. Which, this has been a new experience for me all around, because this thing started as a playwright? So, I'll give a little background on Rebecca. It
1: started as a novel. Uh, It was, it's a gothic novel that came out in 1938. And then, um, Hitchcock did some kind of f***ing wizardry, because the movie came out in 1940. Uh, the Hitchcock movie. And then... It was adapted into a musical, I think in Vienna originally. It wasn't originally a Broadway musical, Mm. but then the musical came to Broadway against all odds with the uh, financial fraud of the, I think the
2: director was the one who committed the most fraud. Ooh, exciting. Oh, Oh, we love some fraud in a backstage. Spicy. Allure. But by
1: then, it was popular enough that, like, I don't know who decided to take a risk on it, but they decided to take a risk and do a movie version. So now we have Rebecca, the movie of the musical.
0: The movie of the musical of the movie of the book.
2: It just keeps going. Yes. And eventually, they'll make a show. Exactly. And then it'll just be a layer deeper. The show, if they do a show, it should have a title like that
1: The TV show, whatever that horrible, horrible name is.
2: Oh, yeah. God, I love that. That was iconic.
1: Yeah, so it's, I'm kind of surprised that it actually ended up becoming something, you know, like they pulled it off. Oh yeah, and with the speed. Yeah, I just can't believe that like rumors were swirling about the financing of the Broadway production before all
2: of the stuff about fraud came out, but still somebody just scooped it up and was like, Yeah, we'll do this. I think somebody made a deal with Satan while they were doing all that fraud or something. Like with how fast it came out. Yeah. There's no way. I Maybe mean, that's what the fraud was for to pay Satan. <laughs> the lore which the
1: lore what I will give this production is the 1940s movie got a little bit kneecapped by the Haze Code where... I'm gonna do spoilers because the plot has not changed significantly from either the 1938 novel or the 1940 movie. If you've seen one, you've seen them all in different flavors. In the movie, because of the Haze Code, Maxim couldn't just kill Rebecca. That was not allowed under the Hayes Code. So instead, she falls and hits her head and dies, which is just anticlimactic, but in this one, he gets to shoot her. Eee! Gun violence!
0: Violence! Violence! Violence!
1: It's a lot more fun when it's intentional. She deserved it, even though it was kind of weird to be cheering on, uh, the death of, uh, Rachel- Rachel Weiss. I never know how to pronounce her last name. Rest in piss. Which, she is just a f-ing inspired choice for Rebecca, if I do say so myself.
0: Oh my god, I am still in awe of her as Rebecca. That... I think that is one of the single most brilliant casting choices I've ever seen. Because she can
1: play the like paragon of virtue that Rebecca is pretending to be, and that the narrator is convinced that Rebecca is for a while, but then, as soon as the curtain gets pulled back and there start to be the flashbacks of how awful she was, like, she's so good.
0: She is just intensity incarnate.
1: I don't know if this was intentional, but the actress who played the narrator, um, Mary Jane Noon, she is Irish. But I do wonder mm. if it was kind of intentional that the second wife of this, you know, proper English gentleman. Really sounds and looks Irish, where his first wife is very English and proper. Yeah. That
0: is one of those delightful little details that you can't help but eat up.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it was just like.
0: You can't help but feel like it's intentional.
1: I mean, it's a great cast, it's fun to watch, but also I. I did not recognize Olivia Cook on my first watch through, because she is a baby in this.
0: God, she is. Yeah, this is around the time of, like, what was it? Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That's, like, the only thing I know her from. (laughs) I haven't even actually seen the movie.
2: (laughs) Love that. Yeah, this cast for me was, like... Sometimes I'll recognize, like, one or two people, but this whole time I was just like, who are these people? Because usually we watch stuff where there's at least, like, a couple shared actors with other things that we've watched. But this time, nobody rang any bells for me and we got to really experience the, you know, from this. No, I don't know. Every time. It was great. I mean, I knew at least
1: that uh, our wonderful host would recognize... Oh my god. I knew that.
0: I... I... I, uh,
1: My beloved. (laughs) It's also very fitting that he plays the character that kind of takes the narrator under his wing and, you know, helps her get settled in when uh, the housekeeper is just glacial and unapproachable. It's
0: so sweet. He is so good at playing those kind of characters. When, you know, he's not being a horrifying repo man.
2: He has two modes. <laughs> yeah, he has two modes. Shaped like friend and shaped like kill you. <laughs> Sad man who kills you.
0: <laughs> Sad murder man.
2: Sad murder man. It's. I was a little disappointed that... um the actor
1: Liam Garrigan is in this, and uh, relevant to your interest also, he played um, oh he played one of the Pendragons, and I want to say,
0: uh... Uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Because, fun fact, uh, Anthony Stewart had uh, played Uther Pendragon in the hmm. movie
1: show, too. So we've just, we got the whole
2: dragons. family. A lot of Pendragons. Get them all in here. Don't yeah. worry about it.
1: We got the whole family in here, and I was a bit disappointed that he was in just the really small role as just as one of the staff. When if you're gonna cast a man that looks like a haunted
2: Victorian doll, just <laughs> you gotta use him right. You have to take advantage of that haunting look he always has, and as no matter like how the character is, his I gotta make you guys watch the, if
1: only to show you how just unnerving Liam Garrigan can look at any given time. His eyes are too pale.
0: I am interested. I have heard so much about these sad men and I've seen so much on my
1: dash.
2: Yeah, I wonder (laughs) whose fault that is. (laughs) We've got to
1: watch this, guys. And a lot of the actors that are in this also ended up being in the Terror, but I think a lot of that is because whoever was casting this was just pulling from whoever was available in the UK at that time. Please,
2: find me some guys. I
1: beg of you. Because, like, Tobias Menzies is not a well-known actor outside of the UK I don't think like not until really recently but he was cast in the lead which makes me think that whoever was like putting this on and casting this
2: just wanted
1: to get it off the ground and were pulling from wherever they could
2: yeah that makes sense let's just get some random guys in here please please guys yeah just, just find us your saddest men. Show us your saddest, most haunted-looking men. We need them all. Preferably English. Which is how we end up with... I was I was telling uh, our wonderful
1: host about this before you came on the chat. Chat rat. Oh, rat. Did you notice that the guy who played Jack, who I love that even in the adaptation that was kneecapped by the Hays Code... Rebecca's lover is still her first cousin. That's never removed in any of the adaptations. He's always her first cousin, which is weirder to me than her being murdered by her husband. But anyway, but it's it's really good that they cast a tall guy as Maxim because otherwise, having Alistair Petrie as Jack would have been overwhelming because that man is six foot six. That's like. Up. <laughs> You need a villain? Cast him. He's six foot six and looks like... I don't know quite how to describe it. He looks disgusted with your very existence.
0: Accurate. He looks disgusted at all times with every thought and action you have ever taken.
2: That resting judgment face.
1: Exactly. Someone in fandom did like a kind of cartoon guide to the different characters where it was just, you know, the the faces of the different characters with little notes on how you can identify them and his character the one that I still quote with Jess to this day is um he has eyes but he looks at you with his nostrils
2: (laughs) yeah yeah that checks out
0: he kinda doesn't have any other choice considering how tall he's too tall
2: so tall he doesn't look at you down his nose he looks at you through his nose (laughs)
1: I
0: love
2: that. And you are stinky. So yeah, I think they just rounded up whoever they
1: could find in the English countryside. Just
0: just set the tea out and see who appears.
2: Yeah. Set up some cardboard boxes. So they went out and sh- and just kind of shook some tea <laughs> bags out, like how you shake cat treats to call the cat.
0: They just set some crumpets out on a dish uh, under a cardboard box with a stick holding it up. And just sat there with the string to pull it when they got there.
1: Look, if that's how we can lure Anthony Head, we got to get some tickets to go to the UK, my dude. We can do this. <laughs> it's fine.
0: <laughs> just gonna go around the English uh, countryside.
1: Just ps ps <laughs> Anthony Head. <laughs> <Oops>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See what wild British actors are roaming the countryside.
2: hmm We can find them in their natural habitat. <laughs>
0: A wild David Tennant, free from captivity, in the studios.
2: He's out there finding enrichment because they weren't providing him with an enclosure.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, some of them, like, Tristan Gravel is chaotic enough, I would not be surprised if you just found him wandering the Welsh countryside.
2: (laughs) Get that man some enrichment.
1: (laughs) Which, speaking of accents, love that they let him keep his Welsh accent.
0: Same. That
2: was delightful.
1: it It was so nice. But I love a good Welsh accent on a man. And... But it is kind of concerning that, like, actor-wise, he had to be in his 30s when this was being filmed. Yeah. But he looks baby. So
0: baby. Little baby man.
1: He looks baby, which makes you think, like, okay. Baby! Baby man! Rebecca's seducing him, like, ten years prior to the events of the movie. If he looks baby in the movie.
2: Yeah. How young was he? Whose child is this?
1: There's just, there's so
0: much going
2: on. It's your boy.
0: Whose infant is that?
1: But we are keeping with the theme of, um, movies that were bold enough to to go sapphic.
2: Oh yeah, this, it was some real gay
1: It's
0: Rachel Weisz, what are you expecting?
2: They didn't pull any punches with the homosexuality in this one, like, actually.
1: And Rachel Weisz and Eve Best, like, mm. Because you can't, You cannot have a character like Mrs. Danvers who is obsessed with Rebecca even, you know, years after her death. You can't have that and have it not be gay.
2: Yeah. But, like, the way that they did it specifically, it's like they were, like, trying to max out on the gay. They were going for a high score.
0: They basically took every literary, like, study and every theory, and every, like, headcanon implication just said, yes. And...
2: What if it was all that and more?
0: I love that she was having an affair with... Well, okay, I don't love that she's having an affair with her cousin. But... (laughs) But...
2: Yeah, that part was, like, why did... Come on. Come on. (laughs) Why?
0: Uh, I love the fact that she's having an affair with just some guy, and the amazing, like, head of the whole household. Like, it's the perfect disguise.
1: And, like, there's... I may just be pulling out of thin air, but that dream sequence where the narrator is dreaming about Rebecca when she still thinks that Rebecca is, like, this wonderful, amazing woman that she should live up to. So, like, the dream sequence was kinda gay. Um mrs danvers was originally in rebecca's family's household like she went to manderley with rebecca when rebecca got married and then clarice is the is the like handmaid who goes with who is hired for and then goes with the narrator to manderley so like parallels you got some parallels going i don't I didn't try to read too much into what was happening between the narrator and Clarice, but, like, I think you
0: could. Oh, there is so much to read into there.
2: We have looked at the cover. We have not even begun to open the book. There,
0: There is so much mirroring in their storylines.
2: It really is. It was like, um...
1: What was it? I'm like... So much of the conflict is coming from not just the narrator and the memory of Rebecca, but the narrator and Mrs. Danvers. For the first half of the movie, it almost feels like Maxim is just incidental. He's just kind of there. Yeah, he's just-
2: He's just a guy that we invited to the party. Yeah. Don't mind him.
1: I mean, he's Tobias Menzies, so he's not that bad to look at, but... Just, you know, he's there. He's nice. He's being a little bit brooding. I think they should have gone with somebody else if they'd really wanted brooding, but he's trying to he's do his, his best.
0: best.
2: <laughs> Jinx. Woof. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of. <laughs> it got rushed and we got absolute turbo garbage, but this time it got rushed and we got a, like a perfect storm that honestly, I don't think it could have been any better because like the piece togetherness of it feels just like on brand, I guess. Definitely has like a certain vibe that if they hadn't had to like shake yeah. the tea bags outside and hope some and hope some actors would show up, it would have been I don't know, probably not as good.
0: Speaking of which, Derek Jacoby, what are you doing, to my falafel? <laughs> you can't escape. This man is haunting me.
1: He's in just about everything that's filmed in the UK, I think.
2: Like he'll just show up. There's no escape. Then you're full off. He was awful.
0: there in my rewatch. He was there in
1: Look, if Matt Damon had been in it, then it would be a perfect cast. God, that would have been. Instead of surprise Matt Damon, we get
2: surprise Derek Jacobi. It certainly is something though. He is always a surprise.
0: Every time I see him.
2: (laughs) Boo. Jump scare.
0: He is a delight, he is a welcome surprise, but he is always a surprise.
1: And I love him, but it did feel a little bit like he was showing up for a paycheck at a certain point. Like, yeah, he does a great job in all of his roles, but I was definitely getting the feeling that the colonel was just kind of, like, not wanting to be involved in all of this familial drama. But also, like, do you blame him? No, I mean, if I had found the boat with the body of... They un, they get her boat out, and turns out her husband ID'd the wrong body. Nice. RIP. Admittedly, she's just bones at that point, but still, she's got a bullet hole in her skull, and he's still like... Mm, suicide. I think it's suicide. We're gonna call it that, and we're gonna go with it.
0: Ugh. Yep. Yeah, he, he's just there for the paycheck. He's just there... To get through the day, he is just doing what he can to survive. I think
1: that's most of this
0: cast. Yeah. But with uh, what a mess everything was.
1: They were just doing their best with what they had. It turned out pretty damn nice.
0: I am going to hold nothing against them.
1: I'm pretty sure they were rushing it to try to get it. Done before all of the financial scandal really came to the forefront with the musical. Oh boy, did they
2: try! <laughs> yeah, it's like, quick, they're looking. Quick, they're looking. Faster. quick, hurry, act faster. Um,
1: and like, and I didn't do that much reading into the production beforehand, but I have a feeling that you know, at the end where the where Mandalay is burning down, mm-hmm. because Mrs. Danvers was just like. Gonna take all of it with her? How could we not? I would not be at all surprised if you told me that they actually did burn down.
0: Oh, fully. (laughs) Fully believe that.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, that must have been the last thing they filmed. They just torched it, because I do not think there was a budget for uh, that kind of effects if they weren't doing it
2: for real. Yeah, honestly, I would be disappointed if they didn't actually burn the the thing. Like, seriously be gone demon
0: they deserve catharsis they
2: exercised it with fire
1: they do deserve catharsis and it it has a kind of um not poetic justice but it's definitely poetic that they get to burn down their model of manderle and like i'm sure that part of the financial problems with the musical were caused by the fact that they're like we need to have this gigantic opulent staircase <laughs> that we pretend to burn down yeah, every single show Oh my show.
2: god. Oh my god. Yeah, that thing massive.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's just like get me.
1: I'm sure that wasn't part of the financial strain on the play. Oh,
0: so not everything needs to be a musical. I I'm glad we got this, but you know how you could have avoided a lot of these problems. Not everything needs to be a musical.
1: And not every musical needs to be on Broadway. It would have been a delightful off-Broadway production, but no. Yeah. They had to yeah. make it Broadway, and then they had to rush this movie through to try to get more people to
2: see the Broadway show before it got shut down. Yeah. Oh boy, do they try. Oh my god, do they try. They try all the time. Uh, we know
1: Anthony Head could uh, sing. Oh God, can he sing? If listen, oh.
0: listen, just look at any music he's done. Or listen, he did, he did a thing as and like, and like, even if you don't want to get invested in any of that, there's a musical episode of where he has his own songs. Say what you will about that episode, the soundtrack still slaps,
2: it will always
0: slap.
1: I mean, I think that... I didn't notice anyone standing out a whole lot, like the way that Russell Crowe stands out in or Pierce Brosnan stands out in which, don't get me wrong, I love both of those movies and I adore both of those actors in their roles because goddammit they tried. And I think that at the very least, this cast, there wasn't anyone who stood out as being the trying so hard, but in the end, it doesn't even matter.
0: Yeah, they they did decently. They did decently.
2: There was no really noticeable weakest link here.
0: Everyone did the assignment? They, they, they... did it.
1: Maybe not for full credit, but it was turned in on time. Yeah. And it had everybody's names on it. <laughs> Woohoo.
0: At the end of the day, that's what matters.
1: I mean, I would say arguably the weakest link would be Tobias Menzies, but he's still not bad. I just think that you could only think of him as the weakest link because he is, you know, Maxim. He's one of the main characters, but he pulls it off.
2: Yeah. There is no bad. There is just, eh, could have been better.
0: Yeah. Okay, the story of what, Rebecca, we've kind of hinted at bits and pieces here, but- looking at cohesively
2: god it's (laughs) wild uh (laughs) yeah
0: because
2: and i was coming so this is my first experience with like this franchise i guess you could say because there's so many different versions of it but i didn't know anything about it coming into this and the entire time i was just yeah It was just all an endless series of what... Yeah. It's kind of insane. Like, it's a really good example
1: of gothic literature, even though it's pretty late for the gothic movement. But, like, it's solid. It carried the vibe. And it's just so weird. Like, is there anything more sapphic than becoming obsessed with your husband's dead first wife and dreaming about her while her housekeeper just starts trying to sabotage your marriage because she was also in love with his first wife?
0: That's just an average lesbian weekend.
2: This woman got all the but only after she died.
1: And then it's not just that she was having, she was definitely having the sapphic affair with the housekeeper, but she was also having an affair with her first cousin. God. Who thought she was pregnant, but oops, she was actually dying of cancer and was provoking Maxim to euthanize her. Good God. Like... That's prime material
2: for a musical because it's melodramatic and it's insane. It real- there's so- this is one of those everything happens so much kind of things because everything happens so much all the time always. Nothing
0: goes harder than gothic literature. Yeah.
1: You think it's
2: gonna be like
1: a moody intense period piece? And it could have been. I think the the like 1940s movie more is that but it's just the plot is a little too soap opera for me to really take it seriously as a period piece, you know?
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah. It could have been iconic, but it I genuinely wonder if it would even qualify as cult classic. Because it's just kind of... adequate. It's
2: just kind of there.
0: It's better
1: than the 2020 yeah. adaptation. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, it, it did Rebecca, and it did a musical, and it did it adequately.
1: I think that, like, at the end of the day, they could have done a pro shoot of the musical and not a yeah. whole lot would have been lost besides the the bat oh cast. yeah but but yeah not a whole lot would have been lost if they had just opted to do a pro shot of the musical
0: mm-hmm. do more pro shots mm-hmm. that is what we need at the end of the day i am always going to say we like we don't have to get rid of the movie musical but pro shots are going to save us from a lot of bad movie musicals It's what the people want. Give us what the people want. I do not want a Heather's TV show that does some of the most heinous things. What I do want is a pro shot.
1: And, like, I feel like to some degree this movie is secretly phenomenal because musicals so rarely translate well to a Mm. movie format, And especially when it's already been translated from a book into a movie, into a musical, and now back into a movie, but it's also still a musical, like...
2: There was a lot of translation going on here. The
1: fact that it works at all and is okay is kind of a miracle. Yeah.
2: The fact Uh that they are,
0: like, a satisfactory, run-of-the-mill movie musical says a lot yeah (laughs) like there there's a waiting in the wings video on the musical that this is derived from it's wild
1: it's i mean every time you think that the last twist is over there is a new twist right never ends and the fact that the movie actually has like It doesn't have any massive tonal issues either, which is what you get most of the time when you're trying to adapt a musical, especially a very serious musical like Rebecca, is you have issues with tone, and I didn't notice that so much here. I mean, I would say the tone that they kind of hit was unbuttered toast, but it wasn't burnt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it's like it's like checks out. It's it's not over toasted, it's not under toasted, but you could really use a little something extra. Please
2: put on the butter. Not required, but definitely recommended. Yeah. One thing
1: that I think can still be learned from this musical and other musicals that current movie musicals have forgotten is um don't, like, wink and shrug to the audience about what's happening, like, don't draw attention to the weird shit that's going on. If you want us to suspend our disbelief for this movie musical, go and buy into it whole hog. Yeah. Stop being cynical about it.
0: Stop lampshading your- Thank f- you. And just give us a musical.
2: Yeah, it's like- we're not here for that we're here for the media not for like you acknowledging us sitting in the theater yeah Yeah, i mean i think that rebecca well you know not a phenomenal movie by any
1: means (laughs) i just i think that it should become kind of mandatory viewing for some of the people who are going into movies now Mm -hmm. where it's like okay Mm -hmm. this is how you translate a serious musical into a movie musical format and it's called Buying Into It Whole Hog. No lampshading.
2: Commit to the bit.
0: I feel like that's one of the biggest things people have forgotten is commit to the f- bit. You're making a movie musical.
2: Yeah, pe- people don't know how to do that anymore. And it's really annoying when it's just like, oh, hee hee hoo hoo, here's this thing we're doing. Like, okay, we'll just do it. Instead of going hee hee hoo hoo about it, just do it. And they just did it. They didn't have time to lampshade
1: anything in Rebecca, they just had to do it and get it done.
0: Just get in, do the job, get out. Just clean and simple.
1: And of course the marketing budget was like, the change that someone found in the green room couch, and a PB&J
2: sandwich. Yeah. Here we are. Then they're just like, okay, go get people to see it. Advertise, boys. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Man. Yeah, so that's uh, Rebecca. At some point, we should watch the Hitchcock movie, because Laurence Olivier is in it.
2: Ooh. Yeah, and he is at his prime. I want to see more adaptation of this wild, wild ride. Oh,
0: man, you should try reading the book.
2: I should. It would be nice if I could read, but I can't, so I'll do my best.
0: Have you read that unicorn book I gave you?
2: What do you think? i can't bro. Read. bro it's in my bookshelf i have it it's safe i just I, i just can't read read the unicorn
0: chronicles bro
2: i'll read the unicorn chronicles when i can rub my brain cells together long enough to comprehend a word bro. of the english language that's a very difficult thing for me so i have no guarantees it'll happen anytime this it's century It's so short so is my attention span <laughs>
0: You are going to love the main unicorn. He's such a brat. Good. He's the best. I love him. The creature. Honestly, okay, no. I have no other time to recommend that this book series. You want to get your kid into fantasy? You want, like, Baby's First Game of Thrones? Get him the Unicorn Chronicles. It's It's so good. They don't talk down to the reader and... It deals with realistic problems for children in fun fantasy settings that make it safe and not super scary to deal with. Uh, they also get progressively longer and more complex Eepie! as the series goes on. So good. Make so your child read a book. One of the book series that got me obsessed with reading as a kid. So good.
2: Thank you for listening to You Got to Know. Be sure to share with your friends and family. Woo!